we'll start. First Peter chapter one, starting in verse three, it says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than the gold, which perishes even though, refined, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was yet to come to, to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Father, we thank you for this evening of just an opportunity to, as Pascha has already prayed, of just having a place to be able to come and to open up the word of God. That we as believers get to sit here and to study the scriptures and to um, be able to sing worship songs to you. Lord, to have the freedom this evening just to pray and to talk to you individually, one-on-one, -on -one, about either the struggles that are going on in our life, Lord, or just the glories that are happening, and just thanking you so much for the things that are going on in our lives. Father, I just pray that you would be with us this evening and just allow us to be in the comfort of you, knowing that you have spoken to us and that you are with us, Lord. Father, again, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the church. And we ask this in your name, amen. Last week, if you missed it, um, we did a biography basically of Peter's life and kind of getting an idea who Peter is, who is the writer of this book. And so we kind of talked about the highs and lows of Peter's life and some of the things that he had done. Um, again, I joked that we all kind of know what Peter has done in his life and we know the stories of things that he has done. But then the amazing thing of Peter is just that repentance that he was able to have restoration with his fellowship with his Lord and with Jesus. And then to be able to sit there and look at it and, and as, as Christ had predicted that this was the man that I was going to use within my church. And again, the encouragement then was for us is then, well, that was Peter's story, but, but what is your story? The fact of maybe you have done some of those things within your own life. Maybe, honestly, you're probably maybe doing them now. Or maybe things are just off kilter a little bit and you're just doing things that you, maybe you shouldn't be doing or maybe you're just not as committed as I should be. Maybe I want to read the Bible, but I don't read the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. I pray and I just don't know if, who I'm praying to or what's going on within my life. But, but where are you? 
Are you willing to move from this point of where I got saved into where I'm willing to start walking my life and, my, my, and start moving in a direction to where the Lord can use me within his ministry? Wherever that ministry might be for you. Doesn't mean that you have to be on a stage and, 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 and teaching and, and all. I mean, I, I, probably the people who are up here and definitely me probably get more credit than what we should. The people who should get the credit are the people in the children's ministry right now. The people who made dinner for us tonight. The people who just clean up after others because they just love Jesus and love others. Just doing it with a pure heart and a pure mind and just wanting to serve God and however that they might be able to do it. And well, that's the challenge for us tonight. Well, where is your peace? Peter found his, Peter found the way that he was supposed to be used and, and finally came to that knowledge of it. And, and now as he has lived his life and as he's writing this, this, this letter to the area of Turkey and he starts to reflect, I think, as an older man and starting to have a little bit more grace and a little bit more understanding and, and really a little bit more passion towards those people that he's writing to. I want to encourage you as you go through trials. And, and again, we talked about it last week, how Nero was, and the Roman government was really coming down on the Christians at the time, and, and they were suffering persecution. There were things that they were going through. There was hardships that they were going through. So as Peter starts off in verse three, and he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Peter could be talking about the things that he talked about last week, that you know God chose us, that he elected us. We talked about that last week, and from the beginning of time to be saved. God in infinite knowledge. It wasn't that God, because he had foreknowledge and could see that, that you were gonna get saved, God chose you. He picked you. He picked me. Why? I, I don't know. He just did. And for that, we should be praising God. I have salvation. I've been chosen by him. And we talked about how God elected us and, and that he chose us. And then we talked about the Holy Spirit and how it sanctifies us and how it's trying to make us holy a little bit more every day as you continue to walk your walk and God continues to work on things within your life and to try to get the, the stuff out of you to allow more of his holiness to be shown to others through you. And that happens constantly throughout your day if you're willing to listen. And then we talked about how Jesus cleanses us of sin and how Again, all three of these work together as, as God has chosen us and the, and the Holy Spirit comes along and he woos us and we get sanctified and then because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us completely clean of our sin, that's how we have salvation. Well, he could be talking about that, but I, I think it's kind of a different way. The, the word praise here is, is talking, it talks about honor and, and commendation and worship and you know, I was even thinking as past the last song that he was singing, but Paul writes in Doxology in Romans, in chapter 11, verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him. We just finished the book of Job with Pastor Carl and God asking Job these same questions like, I'm sorry, were you there at the very beginning when I just spoke everything into existence? Verse 36, for, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever, amen. I mean, when you take in the, the, the awesome incredibleness of who God is, 
I mean, it just, it's beyond anything that you can imagine. I mean, there's, there's no time and there's no understanding and there's no, there's no way that you, there's no words that we have. We have, inf, we have finite minds trying to describe what an infinite being is that, that is holy and pure and just loves us and cares for us. Can you think of anyone or anything that would deserve your or our worship and praise? But I don't think Peter was talking about last week. I think Peter is talking about something different. He moves on in verse three and it says, in his great mercy, he has given us. And great here is it's, it's abundant. And, and mercy refers to the character and the quality of compassion. The lexicon describes it this way. It says, especially the mercy and clemency of God and providing and offering to men salvation of Christ. So my question, what has been given to us? What's the title of the message tonight? It's salvation. I mean, salvation has been given to us. Is that not amazing and incredible? Does that make, when you sit there and you hear a song and you, you, you automatically kind of want to raise your hands up just to kind of praise him and give him the glory. Why? Because you're understanding how just terrible that I was before. The question that I have is, well, why do we need salvation? Because we're sinners. Each one of us in this room, and my, my wife is pretty awesome. I'll tell you that right now. She's, she's incredible, but others have told me that she's a sinner. You know, it's just, it's just I, I don't see it. I don't understand what they're talking about. Her dad will say, oh, no, you should. I'm just telling I, I don't know what they're talking about. But, but even Christine is a sinner. Billy Graham was a sinner. Chuck Smith was a sinner. Peter, who is writing this letter, a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and see, again, it, it all started back in the Garden of Eden. That's where it started. You know, they're walking along, and, or Eve's walking along, and the, the devil tempts her, and they grab an apple or whatever fruit that they eat, and then she hands it to Adam. Adam grabs it, and, and it just started from there. And we look around, and we see the corruption, and we see the selfishness, and that's just what we do. That's just us. I'm not even talking about other people. I mean, the selfishness within our own hearts and in our own minds that it's always me first. And if you're coming into a situation, you're kind of find a, an angle for yourself and kind of try to say, how can this end the best way for me instead of considering others better? I work at a school, the school here, and um, you don't need to teach kids how to sin. I, I sit there and I looked at it. It was in the playground one day, and I said, we, we've got sinners being taught by sinners, and being raised by sinners. It was just amazing as you looked at all of it, it was just a bunch of sinners here. You know, this is crazy. But because of our sin that we must die. Why? Well, there's a wage. See, there's something that we've earned by doing the sin that because of our sin, there's death. And I'm not just talking about the physical death. I'm talking probably something bigger and more important. It's not probably, it is. It's, it's, it's the spiritual death. There's a spiritual separation that happens between us and God because we, we now have sin. Well, God can't be around something that has sin and that's sinful. And he says, well, more importantly, you're, you're gonna die, but the problem here is that you're spiritually dead at this point. And, and well, now I can't have relationship with you. Romans 6.23 says, for, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, so there's a way, so we've earned something by sinning, so we've earned that death, and so there's the only way that we can have that is somebody has to make a payment for us. 
Somebody has to make a deposit. Somebody has to, to clear up that debt that we have. In the Old Testament, we talked about it last week too, there was a sprinkling of blood that would cover that sin. Well, the sin was still there. It was just so God couldn't see it. And, and so what we have is with, with Jesus Christ, it just comes along and that blood just completely washes us clean. Our, our sins are cast as far as the east is to the west and that they're no longer there at all. And the Bible also says that while we were sinners, that Christ died for us. Christ, again, he just knew that it was gonna happen, so he dies 2,000 years ago. But while I was still a sinner, Jesus looking at Kevin ahead of time and going, Kevin needs a savior. Kevin is, Kevin's got problems. You remember probably the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus in John 3. And Jesus speaking, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, and surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and to be born. That would just scare all the moms in the room. <laughs> hard enough the first time, I'm doing this again. Verse five, Jesus answers, and I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the king of, kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So it's a point again of where we need to be born again. So the, the foundation of tonight's message is that you have to have an understanding of what salvation is. What is the purpose? Why do I need to be saved? You'll hear people ask that. Well, you need to get saved. Saved from what? Why do I need to be saved? Well, you're a sinner. And you need to be able to walk them through the fact of, of how they sinned and what has caused that. And, and why did Jesus have to die for my, my, my sins? And, and how does that make me saved? Well, then you need to be born. Well, you need to have an understanding of what being born again is. And so as we sit here this evening, we need to understand what Peter is talking about when he starts talking and moving forward. He says, praise be to the God of the, uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he, God, is that person. And God has given us a new birth into a living hope. And hope here is, is an expectation or it's a belief in the fulfillment of something desired. It's an expectation, and we have an expectation of what has been promised. And unfortunately, if, if you're not born again, you're not a believer, and you don't have this hope. And, and I'm sincere in them when I say this, is that, well, what, what is your hope in then? And it's not, it's not a punchline, and it's not a joke. It's, it's a sincere question of, well, then what is your hope in tonight? Is your hope in your good deeds? That you're gonna do more good things than bad things and there's gonna be a great scale at some point and we're gonna, we're gonna cash it out and see how we are? Well, who comes up with the scale? Who decides that what you did is good? Who decides what you did was bad? I mean, today we have a hard enough time understanding what if of any truth is truth anymore. Who is ultimately going to make that decision of what you did that was good is good? Or maybe you don't have a hope in anything. You know, that would be really sad to sit here and imagine that this is all that it could be. I mean, it was Tom Brady. I know everybody doesn't like Tom Brady anymore because he retired from the Bucks. but years ago, he had won his second or third or fourth Super Bowl, whatever it was, and his third MVP of the Super Bowl. And, and I think one of the quotes was, and I couldn't find it, it was, 
You know, he was looking at all the things that he had accomplished at that stage, like 20 years ago in his life, and, and he was saying that there has to be more to this than even that. So you have a man that, you know, as, as the world would look at it and has accomplished everything, and he had only accomplished half of everything that he was going to accomplish at that point, and was still looking at it and going, there's got to be more to this. So you look at your life and, and through, you, through the struggles that you have and, and the things that you go through, is that really what you're banking on, that this is it? This is why I was created? I would look at it and go, man, I really hope that there's something else. And see, we have a living hope. And why is it living? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's alive. See, the, the Romans 6, 4 says, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, what we too may live a new life. Peter teaching, we talked about it last week too, Acts 2, 24, it says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. We look at it and Easter is gonna be coming up in a couple months and it's, it's not that we, we don't celebrate the Easter bunnies. At Easter, what are we celebrating? Celebrating the empty tomb. See, the reason that we have faith is because there was an empty tomb. See, if Jesus' bones are still there, well, then he never conquered death. There was no resurrection. There's no living Jesus to be able to look at. But because there's no bones there, the tomb was empty, the, the stone was rolled away, we have a living hope within Jesus Christ. The salvation that has been promised to us, even though we haven't attained it yet because we haven't died, is there because we have a living hope within him. Going back to 1 Peter, verse 3 again, we'll keep it in context. It says, praise be to, the, to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish never spoil, and never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See, God has given us an inheritance. It's an inheritance. You probably have known this. We've seen lots of movies on it. It's, it's, a, properly, it's a property possessed by a lawful heir. So we might look at this as a family member who might have passed away and is handing down something and and we, we get something from it. It's an inheritance that we get it. Some people, you know, it's a lost uncle is what this, the movies would always be. Um, and they're a millionaire now in all their lives and everything is taken care of at that point because they're a millionaire. But um, Abraham also had an inheritance is what we see in the Bible too. So Hebrews eleven eight, it says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He's looking forward to because the inheritance that he had received on this earth was only temporary. Well, the inheritance that you're going to receive on this earth is, is still going to, uh, there, there's, for him, there was attackers from the outside. There is, you know, future Israelites that would just sin and, 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 and do terrible things and that the kingdom would come down and foreign people would come in and take it over. So the inheritance that he's receiving here is, is other nations were going to take it over in their sin. But God promises us an inheritance. 
that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade. Whatever we attain on this earth, it eventually perishes. Eventually it goes away. There's a nicer house that you might find. There's a nicer car that you might come across. I remember, again, we moved into our house and um, we loved it. We we're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing what the Lord has done. He's given us this house. This is incredible. I think it was like six months later, we're like, you know, in our next house, we're gonna do our... it. Was like we caught ourselves like, what are we saying? Like, this is incredible. This is the greatest thing we've ever owned. And just for the record, we're still there. It's 19 years later. So, because um, he hasn't moved us out. But anyway, so, and I'm happy. So some can, Joshua, side note, and I shouldn't do this because it's not on my notes, but Joshua, my youngest son, who's was you know, my youngest son, always wanted a two-story house. And I'm like, first of all, you don't really want a two-story house because if you had a two-story house, you'd never want to take anything up two stories. But that's besides the point. I'll, I'll go with you on this one. I was like, I'm never moving anything out of this house. Do you understand that? Like, I'm, I'm dying in this house. Like, I'm never moving because we have too much stuff. Like, we didn't have enough stuff when we moved into the house, and now we've got too much stuff. I'm like, it's never happening, okay? You guys are going to move my stuff out of here at the very end. So <laughs> that's your inheritance. Enjoy it. So, so. <laughs> Someone can steal your stuff also is somebody can take your stuff. You can have an inheritance. And how many times do we see that too, where they get all this money and an accountant comes along and, and strips them dry and they have no money or anything like that. But God will keep our inheritance. It's gonna be protected in heaven. And protected is, it's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a military term too, where he's, he's going to guard it and he's going to protect it. And who greater to have somebody protect something than God? I mean, again, as we read already in the doxology in Romans, like who was more powerful than God? Who can ever come up against God for anything? Satan tried to raise up against God and God was like, stop, you know, just, just leave. You're not allowed here anymore. God will keep our inheritance protected in heaven and it's shielded by his power and his might. The power here, it's, it's literally, it, it describes the ability to perform an activity. By extension, it refers to someone in a position of power, which would be God, or the force of a person's action. All this is held until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And again, revealed is to cause something to be fully known. And what we're waiting for right now is for that day when, when Jesus will pull the veil away and then announce that his return is here. And that will be the next glorious day that we have. Currently, we're sitting here and we've been saved and we understand what he's done for us and we, we've been forgiven of our sins, but we look forward to the day that, man, that is gonna be incredible. That is the, I know what I know that I know and that I look to Jesus for that. Verse six, it moves on, Peter speaking and still, it says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is, re is revealed. In all, of, in all of what we do, we rejoice, okay? Our salvation, our inheritance that is provided for us and it's protected by and, and someday to be given to us by Jesus Christ. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's amazing. That's why we rejoice. <clears throat> then there's this word, though, there. And again, I don't know grammar, okay? 
uh, but I know that this word means something, okay? So uh, again, I'm the principal here. I'm not a teacher at the school, so you guys should be fine with that. But I don't know what the terminology is for it. And I'm, I was looking to see if Helen was here tonight. She's not, but I'll ask her on Sunday. Um, but I know that Peter is changing the subject matter of what's happening here, okay? So it's, again, it's in all this, we regret rejoice, but though, and he's changing what we're talking about. And Peter's changing the subject because, again, remember last week we talked about that their church was under persecution and what they were going through. Peter is letting them know that these trials are here for a purpose. See, when you go through a trial, a trial is an adversity, it's, it's affliction, it's trouble. And someone said, sent by God and serving to test and prove one whole, someone once said, he said, it's, it's, sent by, it's a trial is sent by God and serving to test or prove one's faith, holiness, and character. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think it's important to remember, too, that these men that write these letters to the churches in the Bible, they've all gone through their sets of trials. I mean, you've got Paul who was literally almost beaten in every city that he went through and, and, and suffered a night and a day within the ocean and, and didn't know where his next meal was gonna come from at times. And you've got Peter who, is, who has been as well equally in, under, under trials and literally is about to lose his life. I mean, these are men that are, when they're speaking to you have an understanding of what you're going through. Now, again, they don't understand 2,000 years later, excuse me, in the society that we live in, your car not starting this morning. We had a parent this morning had a flat tire and she's trying to get her child here. They don't understand that. They understand it within the concept of their time. And I think it's important that, as, again, as you, you take the black and white off of it and, and color to the Bible so that they un, you understand what these men were going through when they're writing this. You know, as we know many times, Paul was literally writing the letter while he was in jail. You know, and it wasn't a jail where he's on a cot and he's watching TV and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff. He's like in a jail in Rome where he's like chained and he's barely eating. People have to bring him food to be able to eat. I mean, it's, it's, it's jail. It's hardship. And so when they're writing to you and they're saying, look, I understand the trials that you're going through, his, his reputation, Peter, as he's writing this letter to them in, 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 in Turkey, they're getting this letter from somebody and there's like, Peter understands what we're going through. Peter understands the struggles that we're, we're going through. Peter's in Rome right now. They, he uses a, a synonym. We'll get to that later. But he's, using, he's writing from Rome. He understands the struggles that we as Christians are going through. And I think it's important, too, for us as, as, we, as we go through life is not to, to minimize everything and not to Christianize everything, too. Like when people are going through struggles, it's okay not to say anything. You don't have to come up with a verse and you don't have to come up with, 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 a, with a, a, a saying that you're gonna regret later. I've done that. You probably have done that. You've said something and you're like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. I should have just kept my mouth shut. It's okay just to hug somebody and to cry with somebody if need be and just understand that they understand that there's real emotion between the two of you of them going through something and you having an understanding of where they're at right now. I'm not saying that the word doesn't come back void. Don't, don't twist what I just said from that. I know, obviously, if there's a scripture verse that's given to you, but many times we try to force something within a situation. Pray with them. Allow the Lord to be the one. The Lord is the one who has made them. He's the one that can comfort them. He understands exactly where they're at and exactly what they're going through, and he's the great comforter. Kevin is not the great comforter. 
I'm willing to sit there with somebody, but it's Christ and it's God who's the one that needs to do the work. So as Peter sits there and he, he writes this letter to them, there's an understanding of his reputation, but then I get back to you, is, is how about you? Do, do you guys consider it pure joy when you face all trials? When you're going through something, you're like, yes, praise the Lord, man, I am, I am having such a hard day. This is incredible, you know? I don't, uh, two days ago was my birthday, and so um, I know you don't have to be that excited about it, but it's um, two days ago was my birthday, and so like that night, I didn't sleep well, okay? So like three hours of sleep, so it was just miserable. So you wake up in the next morning, you're like, yeah, it's my birthday, this is awesome. And then you, you work two jobs that day. I go to get in my car, the door handle comes off on my hand. I'm just like, you know, seriously? The entire day you're like dropping stuff all over the place. I'm like, oh, what is the deal? Like, you know, I turn 53, I lose my ability to use my hands or something here? Like, what is it going on? First my knees and my back, I'm like, now it's my hands? Like, what's the, what is the deal here? Do you consider it pure joy? Do you sit there, as, as, as James wrote this, this scripture, do you p- consider it pure joys, my brothers? Because you know that this testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that you have to have the perseverance because it must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So that you as a Christian, that whatever you go through in your life, wherever that you're at, that you can continue to move forward as we've talked about sanctification now several times, as as this continues to to chip off the things within your life and he continues to make you more and more holy. Why is that? Because he wants to make you mature Christians. He wants to grow you up. Just as you're no longer a little child anymore and having to be told every single thing of what to do throughout your day, you became a little bit older and you became a little bit older. Now you're able to make your own decisions. And, And so God is sitting there saying, look, I'm trying to take the hands off the bike as you're riding. But, but I need you to go through these times. I need you to go through these struggles because I need to use you for my glory. I need to use you for my glory. And we talked about it last week too, is that again, as Pastor Carl talks about, you know, what is your piece within the puzzle? Not of just this church, but of, of, of God's church. What's your piece? Are you too afraid to, to have that conversation with somebody? Are you too afraid to go through this trial because I'm too nervous about that it's gonna hurt, that things are gonna happen, and, and I'm just, it's gonna be uncomfortable? Well, yes, it's going to be. Well, that's how you grow. That's how you mature. You know, a seven-year-old's not gonna have a conversation. Hopefully, a 30-year-old will, and definitely a 50-year-old should. You're willing to be able to put something on the table and say, I got to have this conversation with somebody. Why? Because I need to grow and mature. And I need to be able to be able to be used by the Lord in whatever that he has called me to do and have the maturity to be able to do it as well. Verse seven says that these have come to do, so, sorry, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These trials bring out what you really believe. And so, again, as, as you go through a trial, really who you are and what you believe kind of comes out at that point. You know what I mean? You're kind of being refined as well, too. So all those impurities that were within you kind of just come out at that time. You know, if something bad happens and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is a word that you shouldn't use anymore, then it's just showing out something within your heart. You know, you're like, oh, and you say something, you're like, ooh. I shouldn't have said that. Well, God's just using that. He's kind of refining you and he's he's bringing something out within you to be able to understand where you're at. I think also on the other side of that too is 
I think there's some, I'm kind of strange this way, and was actually talking to somebody this week as well too, is that I'm a little strange. I think like we as a church within America could use a little persecution, okay? I'm just weird that way because I think that what it would do is it would strengthen the church. I think it would strengthen us within our own church here. I mean, when you have somebody that's starting to say that you can't read the Bible, now all of a sudden you're like, especially in America, you're like, you're telling me not to do something? Like, I'm gonna definitely do it at this point, you know? And so that's just who we are. So you're like, I can't read the Bible? Well, I'm gonna read the Bible every day now. How do you like that? You know, I'm gonna memorize the Bible. I'm not even just gonna read it. I'm gonna memorize it, okay? I'm gonna take a next step, and then I'm gonna quote it when I'm going to jail, you know? It's just one of those things where that's who we are, you know? Forget the T, like, give me the Bible, I'm gonna memorize it. But it's a point where the purpose is to be able to, for us as a church, to be able to grow and to mature. But we don't do that. Why? Because, well, I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to memorize scripture. Why? Because I've got a phone with tons of apps on it. I've got, I don't know how many, I don't know how many Bibles I have in my house. I mean, I just don't at this point. Probably the same with you guys. If you need a Bible tonight, you don't have one, there's a bunch back there at the church. Please take it, you know, go for it. We want you to have it. But again, the persecution, what it happens is it makes you just strive and to understand and that purification comes out to where I need to be able to understand really what I believe. And so that's what it is. The purpose is so that our faith increases by trusting in God and then we give him praise to God. We glory him. Just recently, I've experienced a time in my life where, where I had to trust God. I was going through an, an opportunity and, and so we're, we're almost at the end of this opportunity and so it's a point where there's, there's a trust that you're going to trust in the Lord as you're going through it. I mean, you, you, there's times where you wanna take back over the range. You wanna grab the steering wheel again and, and be like, no, 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 I got this. And he's like, no. You, you don't. You need to hey, keep, keep your hands off of it, you know? And, and just to be able to have that faith to know that. And then as you go through that, then the, the amazing thing is that, is that you carry that over then to your relationship with the Lord. You know, like if the Lord can do this for me, my faith just continues to grow that I, I can trust him even more. Well, then, I, Lord, I'll, I'll give you this now. The Lord's like, great, give it to me. I, I want to help you with that too. And as you continue to grow and you continue to mature, and now your faith within the Lord just continues to grow, and it's, it's awesome. Why? Because as I've gone through this trial and I've gone through this difficulty, I've been able to give it to the Lord, and the Lord's like, yes, this is where I want you. I, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but, but, but I needed you to. Why? Because I wanted that genuineness to come out of you, and I wanted you to be able to grow, and I wanted you to be able to mature. And as you go through it, you get it to the end, and it's, there's a praise and there's a glory and then there's an honor, an honor to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's worked with you and he's gone through the struggle with you. Verse eight, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I think, again, there's another interesting part here is, is remember that Peter's not talking from his own personal understanding. Peter's like, well, I, I walked with him for three years, you know, and, and, and I got to spend nights with him and ask him questions. And they were probably guys sitting around the bonfire at night and just joking and kidding around and, and just having wonderful conversations. I mean, those are the conversations I would really, really love to, to know. Like, where's that part of the Bible? Like, where was the Holy Spirit to write that for us, you know? To be able to just to hear them and just, just see guys sitting around and laughing and eating and joking around and all that kind of stuff. And, but Peter walked with him for three years. And Peter looks at them and he encourages them and says, look, I, I know you, you, you didn't see him. 
You didn't have the opportunity to. I thought of John 20 where it's, it's Thomas and it says, verse 24, it starts off, it says, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see him, see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them and the doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands and reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Verse 29 says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. And so I think he looks at it and he says, look, I understand that you haven't, but it's actually a greater faith that you have because you haven't seen him. Again, Peter looks at it and goes, well, of course I have. I mean, it's, it wasn't a big deal. It was wonderful and we got to spend time. But I look at you guys and it's amazing that you guys have this faith. And again, we can go back to why we have the faith. It was because we were elected and it's because the Holy Spirit was guiding us and directing us. And we have this faith within him. But it's a point where you've, you've woken up today, you've come to church and you, your faith just continues to grow the closer that you get to Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10 says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the, uh, the, Christ, the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And when they spoke of these things that, they, that have now been now told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels look into these things. And concerning the salvation we've discussed tonight, it's, it's the prophets here. It's, it's a person that's inspired by God to reveal God's purpose or will. It's a proclaimer of God's utterances. Well, who would some of these people be? Would, one of them would be Isaiah. Isaiah 7.14, he predicts the born of a, of a virgin, talking about Jesus, the Christ. Isaiah 53, it's predicted the Messiah would suffer and die. Micah 5.2, it, it, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea 11.1, 1, he'd be called out of Jesus, out of Egypt. It'd be kind of weird to be called out of himself, but and called out of Egypt. And they knew that a savior was coming. They knew it. They were inspired and they were given these, these words to write and, and they, they write them. And because again, as we've talked about before, is you know, in the Old Testament, they, were, they knew the stories. They knew the traditions. They understood what was happening with God and where he was coming. And, and they're looking forward to the day of the Messiah that was gonna come, that was gonna be that complete of what they were looking for. And then Peter speaks that these were inspired by the Spirit of Christ while they were diligently studying the scriptures and the stories passed down by their ancestors. Again, the Bereans in Acts 17, you guys know this too, would study the scriptures after Paul spoke to confirm his words. 
So the Bereans would sit there, and this is a testimony to you guys tonight. You need to go home and study everything, because if they studied Paul, what he said, you're like, you really need to make sure that Kevin was right, okay? Because they've got Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's written like the New Testament, okay? And they're sitting there, and they're listening to him, and they're going back, and they're studying their Bibles. Why? Because they're, they're saying, well, what did he say again? Man, I want to mark that down. I want to make sure. We're going to go back tonight, and we're going we're gonna to study up on what he said. We're going to get the parchments out. We're going to to break it out, and we're gonna have a big Bible study tonight. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that he was right. Why? Because they too were looking. So again, then where are you at? So again, we look at the Bible as many so many times, and it's it's black and white, and you'll you'll see something like this, and all that was the prophets. They were they were looking forward towards Christ, and they were looking. But but do we take the same intensity towards our Scripture? I can't say that I always do, so I'm not looking at you going, well, I know it all. I, I study a lot, and I learn a lot when I have the opportunity to teach. Why? Because then it's, it's I mean, for lack of a, I mean, kind of it's a job at that point. I have a responsibility. I can't get up here and have nothing to say. I mean, that would be awkward, and I wouldn't be here next week. And, you know, Pastor Carl would be like, I made a big mistake last week by having Kevin up there. But it, it would, it would, I just couldn't do that. And so then I get the opportunity and then there, the, there's excitement for me and then I get into the word and I have these commentaries and I'm reading and I'm writing, doing word studies and it's, it's incredible. The incredible thing is I could do it all the time. I don't. The incredible thing is that you could do it all the time. Like we can sit here and we can have our Bibles and, and it's so easy now because now if you're reading it and you don't understand something, half of them have got something down here to help you out with it and you've got word studies and concordances even in the back of this. And you can sit there, these prophets didn't have any of that. And they sat there and they would sit there and they would study the word and, and, and they would talk about how they, they were so afraid to even write the word of God, they would, they would write one letter at a time and then they would go and get purified and write one letter, one letter at a time. That's how much that they revered the word. That's how much they revered God. And there's too many times where even in the church, God is almost like a punchline at times or we joke around and it's, it's a point where, and I'm not getting legalistic as far as not having fun, but what I'm saying is that where's the honor towards the Lord? Where's the honor within our own lives that we're, that we're truly seeking and that we're truly trying to find out what the Lord's trying to do? And what does the scripture say about this? And going back to the basics as far as what God says. The Bereans did it. And, and the question is, again, is, is do we value the word today enough to study it with such value? Do we value it enough? Our pastor reminded us this weekend of the importance of making sure we embrace the full counsel of the Word of God, and particularly the Old Testament. There's a quote, a quote from a commentator that says, the whole New Testament gospel rests on the Spirit's Old Testament testimony that was made through the Old Testament prophets. Cancel that testimony and you remove the basis of the gospel of Christ. So again, it's not a point of that I, I only study the New Testament because it's just Jesus and, and that's where we're at. Well, I can't understand the New Testament without studying the Old Testament. I can't see in the Old Testament where the prophets were speaking of Christ and then understanding, well, Christ you know, was able to um, answer all of these predictions as far as his, his life and his death without having actually studied the Old Testament to understand that. Well, then the Messiah, am I really looking for the Messiah at that point if I don't understand where the Messiah came from? Because in the Old Testament, Christ is riddled throughout the entire Old Testament. And then it becomes our job to be able to sit there and study it. And yes, it's difficult. This morning, I'm still finished trying to finish up Leviticus. 
as I read through the Bible in a year, and it's and I, actually I appreciate Leviticus more than the minor prophets. I know I don't shouldn't have favorites here, but because um, it's the Bible, Lord, sorry, but the minor prophets is just very difficult for me. But Leviticus, actually, I enjoy it. Not this year for some reason, but it's just again, it's like today it was talking about you know what to do with skin and you know mold and you know, one cool thing was like if somebody's bald, it was something positive about that. So I was like, Lord, thank you. He's like, you had a rough day a couple days ago. I'm going to throw you a bone today and make you feel good that you're balding, you know? And so, so it's a point, of, again, is that we can't throw out the Old Testament, never study the Old Testament, because then we truly don't understand the counsel on who Jesus Christ is at that point. It all points to Jesus. Well, the salvation is made for us and it's not made for the angels. And it's pretty cool here that it says that even the angels long to look for these things. Long to look, it's like they are stretching out their necks is what the, the, the definition there is there. That they're like so excited, like, what is going on? Man, look at that. That the, Even the angels that he created. And angels are not, they don't get salvation, but they're, they're like workers. So Hebrews 1.14 says, are, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Inherit salvation, that's us. Luke 15 states that, states that when uh, they rejoice, Whenever just one repents, just one person repents, like even tonight, one person comes forward and, and accepts Christ as their savior, all of heaven has a big party. They're like, can you believe that? That is awesome. All the angels are just like, just ready to be able to have a big party because somebody got saved. And they don't even completely understand it. They just know that that's what it's about. This salvation, this living hope that we've talked about through Jesus Christ is, is what we've inherited. This is what we've inherited. So the question for you tonight is, are, are, are you praising God for this gift that we have? I mean, genuinely. And I'm not saying like, go get fake and get in your car and start putting hands up and stuff like that. And just, but, but truly in your hearts, do, do you praise God and thank him for that? You get to the end of the day and are you just, as you reflect through your day and you reflect through everything that's gone through and you just go back to that point where just the quietness with just you and the Lord and you're just like, Lord, just, just thank you. Thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins and Lord, I, I know that I don't have anything to give you. And I don't know why you chose me, but you did. God, just, just thank you for that. I appreciate it. Are you rejoicing in the trials that you are you rejoicing in those trials? Are you, are you looking at those and just you're like so excited, man, I'm gonna have some like faith muscles when I get done with this trial. You know, like I cannot wait. Lord, give me a trial tomorrow. Come on, bring it on. Do you want me to pray for you guys for that? I can just, <laughs> in Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, just the church of trials, you know? It probably wouldn't be good for church growth or anything like that. But do you? But, but do you allow that to be your, your, your focal point? Getting your mind off the difficulty that you're going through now, the struggle that you're going through, but to be reminded that the Lord is with me, that even as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is there. He has promised to do that. He guides me through what I'm walking through. And if we're talking about salvation tonight, obviously the the greatest question would be, are you saved tonight? Have you accepted that inheritance? Have you understanding of that you are saved tonight? 
I always close with the opportunity for anyone who does not know the Lord as their Savior to come forward. You can either come forward right now. I'm up here at the end. I don't leave immediately. I'm happy to sit there and talk to you, happy to pray with you. If you don't want to talk to me, you want to talk to somebody else, I'll find anybody that you need to. But tonight is the night for salvation. And if you have a true understanding that, hey, look, I, I am a sinner, and we've explained this, that the wages of sin is death, and that I need a Savior to be able to do that, then tonight would be that night. Tonight would be the night that you don't leave and just try to get home as quickly as you can, but that you have an understanding that, look, I need to face my maker, and I need to make it right with him, and I need to ask him to forgive my sins. And then you'll be born again, and there'll be a party in heaven for you. And anybody that's around us, when you pray, those people will have a party as well too. Amen? Father God, I just thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for these people that have come here this evening. And I thank you, God, that you are here with us, that you love us and that you care for us, Lord. I pray for anybody tonight that is just having that internal struggle right now, even as they sit here, Lord, that, that you would motivate them, that you would help them to get up out of their seat and not leave tonight without coming to you and asking for forgiveness of their sins. Lord, coming to you and having an understanding of what they have done and that they need to accept your salvation that you have freely given to them, Lord. God, for the rest of us this evening, I just pray that you would just help us to get home safely, Lord. God, help us to truly have a desire for your word, have a desire to know it, to read it, to study it. Help us not to shy away from trials and struggles that we might go through, Lord, but to embrace who you are in our lives. Father, again, we thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you do for us, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.